Greetings. Today we have the pleasure of sharing with you our 34th Costa Rica Pura Vida Lifestyle Podcast Series episode that deals exclusively with the daily life in Costa Rica and the oh-so-many questions that arise when thinking about moving here, visiting for a while, and how one acquires their legal status, and so much more. You know, becoming a resident of Costa Rica is a very involved process. More and more individuals and families are thinking about it now, and they're actually starting the process. A lot of people want to get here by 2022, which is right around the corner. Today and throughout the coming months, I'm going to be spending some time with Kevin McNamee, who is the representative for Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts. He and his team have helped hundreds of people in acquiring their legal status and everything that's involved with the process for quite a few years now. He's an expert, a professional, and a perfectionist when it comes to his business, and I'm so happy to have him here with us. Kevin, welcome again for the 34th time. Well, thanks for the invitation. As I always say, look forward to the podcast, and I look forward to answering some of your questions, and maybe don't enjoy answering some of the other ones, but <laughs> the fact is... You, you ask good questions, they're germane questions, and I really do like the opportunity to be able to, oh, direct people, advise people, whatever. We work under the adage that not everybody has to be a client. We're, we're liberal with our information with people that are about to embark on doing it themselves, but want to know some of the fine tunes or fine aspects of it. Why we are quite liberal with it, and in all honesty, it's usually about a month and a half later they're back asking us to take over and correct their mistakes. So uh, it's time well invested. And if they are successful, con mucho gusto. Well, that's why we keep on calling you back, Kevin. You're just a friendly Irishman, and we really appreciate your spending a few minutes with us explaining what you know and what we need to know about Costa Rica. Kevin, in our first 33 episodes, we've discussed a lot of things. I've looked back on the, the hours that we've spent together, and we have reviewed so many different things. And today I want to talk about um, getting a car here in Costa Rica, shipping it from your home country to here. I know it's an involved process, and I know in the past few months especially, You've been inundated with emails and phone calls regarding this process, and uh, let's talk about it a little bit. Go ahead, buddy. Well, this is the this is our should we or should we not scenario, because people are faced with the fact that they don't want it. Although we have an excellent bus system, it gets a little tire, a little tiresome after deciding to go to the beach by a by a bus. So, for those people that want a vehicle. They really have two options, purchasing one here locally, new or used, or bringing one down. And if anybody ever looks at Facebook and such, you'll find the repeated question and unfortunately the repeated answers about should I, could I, how do I, etc., etc. And then you get a plethora of answers from people saying, Oh, James, the duty you pay on it is unreal, blah, 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 blah. Folks, the fact is, to buy a car locally, it's already had the duty paid and it's incorporated in the, the payment you're making for the car. So it's not a case of one or the other. 
duty will be paid either by the previous owner or by you bringing in your car. So sort of keeping that in mind, the price of your car back home might be, I'm just going to say $10,000 and here it's $16,000. But a component of that is the duty. The duty doesn't really depreciate. When you buy that car locally here with the duty and you sell it for whatever reason three or four years later, maybe the car is depreciated or in some cases appreciated, but the duty is busy still the same and you recoup it. So there's one of the little wherewithal to, to consider. The, the other reason or what the other consideration is you have a favorite car back home and you really want to bring it down and you really want to know and you ask on Facebook how much will it cost and you get these answers saying oh an arm and a leg and on and on and on these are all guests. These are people that are talking from sentiment, not from not in reality. There's a step to take to find out what the duty would be. It's it's a considerable, a considerable amount of duty, no question about it. It finances the government's agencies here, and the option is don't bring one if you don't want it. It's it's quite quite simple. Bring one if you do want it. If the government proceeds with their incentive program, people will get one or two cars down duty-free, which is a big um, giveaway by the government, but there's pros and cons to it. But the fact is, what you need to do is first find out how much will the duty cost be. And then you make your decision that, well, I will incorporate that in my container, which is going to continue to hold the balance of my household effects and such, and I'll bring it down. We say typically a container containing a car usually is a 40-foot container because the car takes up that much space. But without a, a car, a 20-foot container suffices usually, typically. But it is a, a judgment call. Going back to should I buy locally? Should I bring my car? There's a couple things to to keep in mind. Local cars, let's just use a 4x4 for example. Local cars are driven and driven hard here. The roads are not, although improved greatly over the last 25 years or so, the cars, the, the roads are not, or there's lots more dirt roads and, and rough roads than there are in in the North America or around the world, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say probably 75% of 4x4s in, in North America have never seen a dirt road. They've always been on pavement. The reverse is applicable here. Maybe 5 or 10% of the road, uh, roads that the vehicle has been on is on a paved road and the others are on dirt. And remember the, the fact is we are a country with beaches on both sides, on both coasts. People drive on the beach whether they're allowed to or not. That's that's another issue, but the fact is many a car has been kissed by the ocean as the tide comes in and the tide goes out and salt and metal don't don't mix too well. So even a good looking car might have a facade of paint over top of metal that's not so hot or not so secure or 
it's not there anymore. Simple as that. So there's a lot of considerations such. Tinkles are famous for drive and dive. In other words, they'll drive a car till it's about ready to dive into the, the pit and they'll sell it. They'll look good. There's very little maintenance done. Whereas in North America, it's almost a religion that we change oil when we're supposed to. We, we keep our alignments going. We keep <clears throat> maintenance up on it. We change uh, fluids on, uh, on and on. So a new car, or sorry, a used car in the U.S. may have a generic age of 10 years, but in physically uh, aged by perhaps three years of wear and tear. Here, a car at 10 years probably has the wear and tear of a 20-year-old car. Just, just say, not, not laying up accusations of, about pros and cons. I'm just making an observation, which is based on 33 years of dealing with people bringing cars and bringing cars and buying cars here. Uh, it's the duty is 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 substantial unless it's an electric vehicle and with the substantial duties you have other charges other costs how do you find out what the duty is going to be and this will be fairly important for you to find out to to follow to find quite this is the information the the aduana the government here the customs here need to know one is of course the type of the vehicle is it a is it a chevrolet is it a Toyota, is it a whatever? Okay. They also need to know the model, the model and color. And not, the model is important because various price stages. The color is important not because it changes the value, but it helps to identify those cars that are coming in here with with altered uh, uh, ownership documents. In other words, stolen cars. Okay. So they don't. They are very cognizant of the fact that. We don't need stolen cars. We, we have enough. We create enough of them in, in house. The age of the vehicle, of course, that's, that's the reason. Any special designations uh, the model may have, i.e., Super Sport, XL, Super XL, etc. Number of cylinders, the size of the engine, is it a 440 cubic inch motor? Is it uh, whatever the size is? If it's a Four-wheel drive or a normal two-wheel drive, two-door, four-door, or in some cases five-door. Automatic or standard transmission, they have to know. Any special features such as sunroof, trailer hitch, etc. And more importantly, you have to provide them with a vehicle identification number. That's called the VIN number. Usually found right in front of the steering wheel and you look through your windshield down you'll see a, a strip with printed numbers on it and that is required there's no ambiguity if you don't have a VIN number on your vehicle uh, don't bring it it's not going to get through because that's a pure sure destination of hot hot car hot not come, coming in also incidentally Look at your registration if it's a, a used car that you bought in the U.S. If it, the registration says anywhere salvage, it will not be accepted here in Costa Rica. Salvage simply means it's a car was in a, net, a wreck. Somebody bought the car as a wreck and they re, recreated it. They did a, either a real or a, 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 a 
complementary or uh, upgrade it. They change the, they straighten the, the dents out, they change the frame, they replace the door or doors that got smashed, etc. etc. And you're looking at what looks like a perfectly, perfectly beautiful car, well painted, etc. etc. It's salvaged and it won't come in because it's just a uh, it's just a, a racket, people buying cheap cars and bringing them over. People buying and thinking they're buying a good car. And the government is actually protecting you by restricting the use or the entry of those cars. So those are the, those are the information you need. Now, what do you do with that information? Well, typically you would give it to a receiving agent here. That receiving agent is usually tied in with a shipping company here, where we would recommend you contact them here and they tell them what your postal zip code is because that's how all quotes around the world are predicated now on your zip code and the destination here which would be customs here in San Jose. Okay so our local shipper will say okay we'll talk to you on such and such a date if you're available or what day are you going to be available. They'll find out how big a household effects you're bringing down uh, what car, cars are you going to bring down, uh, any other things you have going. And they can tell you by basically you're going to have to have a 20 foot or 40 foot container. They will provide you with a cost of the container from point A, your doorstep, to point B, customs here, or if you know where you're going to take your personal effects, they will ship it to those, that door. They quote you a lot of people use suppliers from their home country. That's good in some sense, but in fact, the receiving agents and the shipping companies here, they know, they know the program from this end better than a person sitting in Duluth, Minnesota. Your call, but we recommend using a local person. No vested interest in saying that, other than the fact that we've done many, 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 many shipments and the local people know, they know the Edwana, the customs people better, they know the procedures better, they know how to get it from point A to point B. It's all routine for them. It's not being done by remote, okay? So the person here, the receiving agent, the shipping company will take your description, go to customs and say, this is what I have coming in on a proposed shipment and here's the duty. Oh, we wanna know how much the duty is so the person can make a decision. Whatever, that, that uh, estimate, that appraisal, or whatever you want to call it, estimate is a good question, is very factual, very, very, very um, accurate. Now, the only time it could change, <clears throat> if you get the quote in September, October, and the shipment actually comes in in January, February, It'll be slightly lower because it goes by a calendar year. The, the duty will, will drop. But you'll be surprised also, despite the horror stories you heard, that how reasonable the duty is. If if you find your car is valued at using round figures ten thousand dollars in your home country, and the duty on your car would be four thousand dollars, you'll find that same car down here probably around. $14,000, $15,000. So you're not getting abused. It's just the way it is. It's the price of the ticket and uh, 
I again have no dog in the fight. I have seen most people happy to put a car in a container and bring it down, which incidentally they also load with their their fragile things because <clears throat> when the car arrives, it is incidentally it, the car is the last thing that is put into the container when it leaves your home or home port, and it has to be facing outward. In other words, it has to be driven off the container. But in there is all your mirrors and all your fragile things, or some of your fragile things, whatever. And they just take that and they put it into the custom shed along with the rest of your goods. Your car goes to a different destination. It goes into bondage, bond, bondage, bond. And there it is, Customs has something like two weeks, two and a half weeks to inspect it to make sure the serial numbers work, the VIN number works, that the engine number works. That's it's all as per per you have or the shipping company has reported. <clears throat> there is a there is a, a preponderance of stolen vehicles coming from to South and Central America, and Costa Rica has made a concerted effort on behalf of the U.S. government, Canadian government, to stop it, and they are doing their share of stopping it. So that's uh, then your agent here will go and get the car nationalized, or we call it road legal. They take the car and get the, first get the, pay the customs, they'll get it inspected, compulsory, pay them a chamo, compulsory, get it titled, compulsory, uh, on and on. It's separate itemized bill for that. And voila, two weeks later, you have your car ready to roll. It's uh, licensed for Costa Rica, insured by Costa Rica, or for Costa Rica here, if you want it insured. And that's pretty well the program for the for the, the, the vehicle coming in here. Of course, your personal effects, it's a different issue, but they'll ship that also to your house here. So there's a person for every job. Uh, the, idea, the, the secret is getting the person at the head of the chain who can designate all the way down the line as to who does what for whom. And that is my suggestion and how to bring a car to Costa Rica or to ascertain whether you should or should not bring a car to Costa Rica. Kevin, you've just covered a lot of uh, stuff regarding bringing a car into Costa Rica. I do have a few questions. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, when shipping a vehicle, first of all, um, whether it's being shipped with other household goods or by itself, can the person who owns the vehicle, can they go ahead and pack up the trunk and the back seat and the front seat with personal items? Yes. Yes, you can. There's, there's no restriction on that. The only thing, remember, when it arrives here and it gets taken out of the, taken out of this container, those goods are still, are still fragile and hopefully not broken, but they have to be protected enough so that they're moved into the bonded warehouse and don't get broken there. So it's a, yes, you can, but also wrap them securely. Okay. Sure. It's, it's just sort of a little bit of common sense. You get, don't leave the China sitting on the back seat, hoping that it'll make the trip. It'll make the trip and then get dropped as it's being put in the, the bonded warehouse. So, or could be bonded, could be dropped. And then uh, you mentioned um, 
Just a few minutes ago, you mentioned the fact that your car will be inspected when coming in regarding its mechanical condition. So I have a question for you. If you need a, if your transmission is going out, but it still works, for example, uh, would it be better to get that work done in in the United States or Canada, wherever it's coming from, and then having it pass for sure the inspection? Or can you bring a car in that needs a little bit of work done? And if so, if you can, uh, when does that work get done? Okay, definitely bring your car up to snuff before you put it on the container. Get the oil changed, get the transmission fluid changed, change whatever you have to do. Make sure they're good tires. Tires are cheaper there than here. Um, garage prices are cheaper here, but uh, you buy, you pay for what you buy. So we have good mechanics here, and certainly I don't want to leave the wrong impression. But to get it done, what the person that knows the car has been dealing with you for the last generation or whatever. But yes, I always try to make it as as sure that the, for example, the blinkers work, the highlights work, the low light work, the backup lights work, on and on. That the muffler is good because a muffler here is more expensive than there, but it's also the man who's taking the car to inspection, he pays, a, there's a fee for, for it's a government uh, department that inspects the vehicles, a government agency, as I say. But if you re reject it, it has to go through again. And again, you get recharged and charged, charged until you get it right. Have the alignment done. Uh, don't have oversized tires on a, a vehicle that has to go through inspection. Because what we have to do, or the receiving agent has to do, is go rent, believe this, rent a tire, or rent tires, to put on your car, to pass inspection, to come back, take off, and put on the tires that you brought down. That's all time, that's all uh, expense that has to be added to the bill. So take care of it at home, and bring the car down in good condition. Uh, that includes if you wanted to even upholstery in the seats and such, uh, you know, depending on the age of the car. If you're going to have to replace the upholstery, you might want to do it back home. It'd be cheaper down here, but the the quality of the of the materials used here leaves, may leave a little to be desired. Depends how much of a, an aficionado you are of, of the car. And then uh, this next question, I, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it anyway. Uh, I know there's some safety concerns with perhaps filling your car up with gas totally, having a full tank and then getting it shipped. Should you just have maybe one or two gallons in there as opposed to 20 gallons? Well, the shipping company, the agent or the agent or the people you hire here will tell you exactly what can and cannot be done. And you cannot bring propane tanks, for example, that are half loaded or half full or partially full. Uh, they, they can be brought if the valve is open and contain no, no gas at all. The car itself should only have one or two gallons of gas. And quite often people say, wait a minute, you said that the inspection was going to be 12, $12,000, whatever the inspection fee was, on your quote, and now you're charging me $26 or 26,000 colonies. 
And what it is, the guy says, I'm not going to drive all the way down there and run out of gas halfway. So he fills up the car and charges for the gas. So that's, that's the rationale behind that. But no, you can't. They'll drain the tank for you if you, if you put it on with more than a, a quarter of a tank in the car. Because, again, they have to ensure that, that container makes it, but also all the other containers adjacent to it and their contents make it to the destination. So there's uh, certain things you can't bring. The, again, it's, it's not to do with the car and such also, but there's personal effects you can't bring. You can't bring firearms, you can't bring fireworks, you can't bring uh, explosives of, uh, of various sizes. A lot of aerosol cans are come down, but they really shouldn't have come down. They, uh, famous, everybody tries to sneak or bring in a couple aerosol cans of wasp spray, for example, because if uh, they come across a wasp nest back home, what they do is they shoot it from 20 feet or 25 feet away and it kills the wasp because it comes out in a straight shot. And down here, the people have found that, hey, this is a great way to get a, a, a annoying animal off my property or even an annoying person off my property is, is to spray them on the foot or leg with wasp spray. So. Uh, those sort of things people, it's almost like a buzzword, bring a couple of cans of wasp spray, but technically speaking, it's not allowed. But in reality, a lot of people bring them. Well, good. And then my last question is, I, I understand that the person who is shipping the car will cancel his or her auto insurance the day that it is being loaded into the container to be shipped to Costa Rica. Uh, can they buy insurance from the shipping agency to take care of any problems if the car gets uh, scratched or ruined on the way over? Okay, there's two issues here, as you're saying. Scratched on the way over would be a liability with the shipping company, not the receiving end here. If there's damage down here, it is on the say on the way to be inspected and such there is a blanket policy for people that uh, will cover if the driver is moving from a to b but you'd have to be i can't give an answer a blanket answer to that because various stages the uh, the damage would if there's damage we have to ascertain what what stage it took the place who was responsible for the vehicle at that time and such but in general overall picture we don't recommend, we don't make recommendations, but uh, even the complete insurance, uh, cargo, car, aside from the car, we never have recommended people insure their contents. And people say, well, wait a minute, what, whoa, why, why? Well, you tell customs that here's my, my manifest, here's the list of my contents and the value of them. And we tell people typically to have used garage sale prices. So they go down and say, okay, uh, two shovels or, or hoe and a, and a rake, and the value is a buck a piece. So you put down a bundle of appliance or a bundle of uh, shovels, etc., for $3. And the sofa and chairs, okay, uh, if I sold them in a garage, would probably get $40, but I'd I paid seven hundred and fifty each, so it's probably a three thousand dollar value. But I'm going to put down forty dollars. 
So you put down the total and then you, the customs agent here by the receiving agents uh, looks at it and says, uh, okay, that's the value, fine. That's what we'll predicate the duty on the household effects because it's up to call. Everybody interprets it differently. But if you insure it for $18,000 and you say the value is only 2300 guess what the insurance is going to pay you on? What you valued it, not what you said. So there's a catch-22 there. So you're only going to get what you claim at Well, Kevin, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and we've posted Kevin's contact information and his website address on the program notes associated with this episode. And when you're ready to have all of your questions answered and all of your concerns addressed, Kevin and his entire team, they're going no. to be ready for you to answer any, to ask any questions. By the way, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to our first 33 episodes. They're very informative, and if you like what you heard today, why not share our Q&A session link with your friends and family? We love to share our knowledge with everybody who has an interest, and we would appreciate your doing that for us. And finally, if you come up with any specific questions or topics that you'd like Kevin to cover in the future, let us know. Send your request to my email address at CostaRicaGoodNews at gmail.com. That's CostaRicaGoodNews at gmail.com. And by the way, Kevin's uh, website is at Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. That's Costa Rica Immigration and Moving Experts.com. Kevin, thanks again. We'll see you soon for our next conversation together, talking about everything you need to know about acquiring your legal status here in Costa Rica and everything else that goes along with it. Well, Skip, thank you very much. But I would just like to inject one thing. You said, come to me for your answers for shipping and moving. And I have really made the decision to stay with the immigration aspect. We will put you in touch with the an appropriate person based on your current location and such. And they will take care of the logistics and the answering of what can and can't do. I'm afraid that it's such a fast moving, um, changing, ever changing procedure that any information I gave, which would have been applicable three months ago, may have changed now. So I stopped away. I stopped from giving advice unless I keep current. And the immigration portion of the business is so such that you just don't have the time to uh, keep current on that. Also, we're just giving this uh, assertion about the the types or questions or information a receiving agent would need just to help you. Sounds good, my friend. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Have a good one. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you, sir.